Last weekend, I talked about joy. Okay, we talked about joy. And I, I'm just curious, you know, how did you do this week um, with your joy? Did you really think about your name being written in the book of life throughout the week? Did, any, did some of you guys do that? I, I, the thing I notice is whatever I teach on, I tend to get tested on the next week. I mean, were, you, were you guys tested in that area of joy this week? Did you have some trials? Um, I know for me, you know, I leave here the, after this service, you know, like last week I left here, and we have our basketball league, you know, our Cornerstone Basketball League, which is an absolute blast, and, and I typically dominate there. And, uh, <laughs> but last week, you know, I, I go to the, you know, playing my game, and, uh, you know, we're having a great time, you know, and we're on this win streak, my team is, and, uh, and so we're winning the first half, we're up by 10 points, you know, we get into the second half, we're up by like 15, and it's like, okay, we're going to win again. And we just fell apart and we lost. And, and I didn't help any. I went, went like one for ten. You know, just this dismal performance. You know, and I'm sitting on the bench just thinking, how in the world did we lose? How in the world did I miss all the, you know, what, what's going on? And someone comes up and goes, how's your joy? <laughs> you know, and then, uh, and then, you know, then, and then the next day, I get sick. You know, I get physically sick. I get that flu thing where, you know, your body gets all tingly. You got the fever and I'm just laid out and just, just moaning. And just like, man, I can't get comfortable. And my wife goes, but how's your joy? <laughs> it's like, shut up, you know. It's just, it was amazing to me how, you know, just right after I talked about it, you know, you, you have these things happen. And the thing I did learn through the trials this week was it's still my choice. I can still choose to either focus on the negative things or I can choose to dwell on the fact that, you know what? My name is written in heaven right now. Any second, I'm out of here. Any second, I'm going to be in glory in eternity. I'll get to see my name in that book and spend eternity with God. And will I choose to dwell on those things? Despite what happens in life. You know, it's one thing to, to focus on, on uh, your name being written in the book of life when nothing else is wrong. But it's during those difficult times, that's when God wants us to do it. To show the world the peace that we still have and the joy we have amidst the difficult times. So hopefully you were able to carry that out this week. Because we'd hate for our messages just to kind of leave you when you leave the room. It's something that we're supposed to carry out throughout the week. Remember last weekend when, uh, when Jesus is praying to the Father and he says, I praise you, Father, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, and yet you've revealed them to the little children. Remember he talked about how he was so excited that his disciples got it, when a lot of the people that were more educated and so much wiser and really arrogant in their, in their minds, they didn't get it. It was hidden from them. Well, this next passage we're looking at happens to be about a man who was very wise and learned that comes up to Jesus. And it was the exact type of person that Jesus was talking about. Here's a person, it says that he was in, in, in uh, verse 25. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Let's stop right there. 
Here, here's what's going on. You have this person who is an expert in the law. So a very educated person. And when he says an expert in the law, it's not like today, like some cheesy attorney. Um, I'm kidding, Bryce. Uh, but uh, the whole idea of an expert in the law back then, too, is they're talking about the law of Moses. Okay, they're talking about the Old Testament law. This was a religious person who understood it. Have you ever read the Old Testament? You know, and all those Levitical laws that are so tedious, all the things that, that God required... That's what he's talking about here. Here's a man who's very well educated, an expert in this law, and he says, he asked Jesus a question, a question that probably everyone on the earth wants to know. How do I inherit eternal life? Okay, life's a vapor here on this earth, okay? Our lives are over at any moment, and so we want to know, God, how do I get to eternity? How do I inherit eternal life? And so Jesus replies to this expert in the law. He goes, well, what does your law say? What does the law say? And the man answers, he says, well, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, remember, Jesus said you could sum up the whole Old Testament law and prophets by those two commands. And so when this man responds by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus says, good, that's the right answer. He goes, so do that and you'll live. That seems like a weird answer, doesn't it? I mean, isn't that the opposite of what we've been teaching here? What do you mean? Do this and you will live. What do you mean just obey the commands and I'll live? Is that the way to eternal life? Well, the truth is, is yes, if you can do it. See, but what the Bible explains is that no one can really do. Who can obey the law? See, he says, love the Lord. And it's interesting because after he says, do this and you will live, the guy recognized, okay, love my, you know, love the Lord your God. First, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That one can be a little subjective. Like, for example, if I asked you today, hey, how many of you love God with all your heart? You'd probably go, woohoo, you know, and, you know, and clap or whatever. But the truth is, is do you really love him with all of your heart, all your soul? all your mind, all your strength. You may feel like you do. Subjectively, you could say, well, I think I do. Okay, fine, fine, fine. We'll give you that then. Well, how about love your neighbor as yourself? That means love everyone around you as much as you care about yourself. Sounds a little more concrete. And you go, wow, love my neighbor as myself. I mean, who loves everyone as much as you love yourself? I mean, who, who, who loves me as much as you love yourself? Anyone in here love me as much as you love yourself? Well, thank you. Okay. Thank you. I said that. Wow. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> no. Uh, but the whole idea of... Uh, it's Mother's Day. Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. The whole idea of loving someone as much as yourself... And you know, see, uh, the phrase you've got to catch in verse 29 is after Jesus says that, and he says, look, do this, you'll live. In verse 29, it says, but he wanted to justify himself. See, he was feeling guilty, and he wanted to justify himself. He realized, man, I haven't obeyed that law, but he wanted to justify himself. So he says, well, well, yeah, love your neighbor, but who's your neighbor? Are you talking about my next door neighbor? Because I like him. You know, and, and so you see what he's doing. It says he wants to just, he wants to do what everyone wants to do. We want to feel good about ourselves. 
What if you're like, I'm a good person. I should be able to get to heaven by, by obeying the commands pretty well. And, and so he wants to justify himself by saying, who's my neighbor? Now, I want, you, I want to explain something about the law because I think that uh, sometimes we can get confused about the law. I, I Honestly, when I, I grew up going to church and I always thought in the Old Testament like they, be, they went to heaven because they obeyed the law. And in the New Testament, we go to heaven because we believe in Jesus. I mean, obviously, I know that's not true now, but growing up, I, that was in my mind. And some of you may still have that in your head. Well, the Old Testament, they had the Ten Commandments, and the people who obeyed those Ten Commandments, they go to heaven. Okay, that was not the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was not that the people actually followed it perfectly and therefore earned their way to heaven. That was never it. In fact, the point of the law was to show that you were guilty. Not that you were good. In fact, if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 3. This hopefully will clarify it for you. In Galatians, in the New Testament, Galatians chapter 3, in verse 10. Look at what it says in Galatians 3, verse 10. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. You see what it says? It says, everyone who relies on observing the law. If you came in today, if you're, if you're here today, and you're thinking, well, I don't need this Jesus stuff. I don't need his sacrifice on the cross because I'm a good person. The Bible says if you are relying, if you rely on your ability to obey the law, you're cursed. And he says, you're cursed because of what Scripture says about everyone who does not continue to obey everything written in the book of the law is under a curse. You see, what we do is we go, well, I obey the Ten Commandments better than some people, probably maybe most people. And no, but the Bible says, look, if you break the law at any one point, you've broken all of it. And it says, cursed is the one who doesn't continue to obey every single thing in the law. So if you want to try to earn your way to heaven, yeah, you can do it if you obey every single command perfectly every day of your life, every second of your life. But the Bible says, cursed are you, because the truth is, is no one's able to do that. And that's why when Jesus says, look, what's in the law? He says, well, love God, love your neighbor. He goes, great. Do that. If you can do that perfectly, yeah, you can earn your eternal life. And that's why the guy's going, well, okay, well, who's my neighbor? And he's trying to justify, because why? The law was condemning him. See, the point of the law, the purpose, the work of the law, is to destroy your confidence in your human ability to please God. That's what the law is for. The point of the law is to destroy my confidence. If I had any confidence thinking, well, I think I'm a good person. I think I I can please God. Once I read the law, I realize, ooh, no, I can't. No, I've broken that one, that one, that one, that one, that one. I'm guilty. I want you to look at one more verse. Romans 7, 7. Romans chapter 7, verse 7. 
This one verse, I think, will help you understand the purpose of the law. In Romans chapter 7, verse 7, it says this. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. Paul says there, okay, well then is the law a bad thing? He goes, no, no, because the law is a good thing because I wouldn't have known that I was breaking the law if the law wasn't there. He says, take coveting, for example. You know what coveting is? Coveting is whenever you desire what someone else has, which none of us have done. But, uh, you know, it's the whole idea of, you know, some people, they look at someone's car and go, ooh, I wish I had that, you know, um, or, or I wish I had that house, or I wish I had his wife, or, you know, whatever it may be. I wish I had, you know, all these different things. That's coveting. And Paul says, you know, I was coveting all my life. And, and, and we could feel fine with that until we read the law. And the law, one of the Ten Commandments, thou shall not covet period, ever. You just don't covet. See, so you're coveting all your life and you finally look at the law and you go, ooh, don't covet? I've broken that. I'm guilty. That's the point of the law. That's what the law is supposed to do for you finally to go, ooh, I'm not pleasing to God. I've broken that one. I've broken that one, that one, that one, that one. And it gets us to finally we're broken and we see I need help here. Otherwise, I'm going to come before God at the end of my life and just be judged by him. Because I see all these laws and I've broken them all and I've got to face that God one day. And hopefully that brings us to a point where we realize I need someone to save me from his punishment. And then we recognize God, seeing that, loved us so much that he sends his son. And do you understand what Jesus was doing on the cross? He was being punished for every single time you and I broke the law. He was being punished for it. And the Bible says that if we can have faith, that's how we'll live. That's how we get eternal life, is by believing that, yes, God, I broke your law. I read your law. Every time I look at your law, I realize how many times I've broken it in my life. Yet you love me so much, you sent your son to die for me. And that's where our salvation comes from. But the Bible says, if you think you don't need that, and you're going to get there by observing all the laws, cursed are you. Because you haven't obeyed it perfectly. Who do you think you are? Yet this wise, learned man, he wanted to justify himself. So he was thinking, well, maybe I did obey them all. And he says, who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells this story, a story that you and I are probably very familiar with, the story of the Good Samaritan. Even if you didn't grow up in church, you've heard of the Good Samaritan. What is it all about? It's, it's right here, Luke, Luke 10, verse 30. Here's Jesus' answer to that man's question of who his neighbor is. It says, in reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man. He passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. 
He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Okay, so who is my neighbor, the guy asked. And Jesus' answer is, well, there's a, you know, the total stranger walking down the path from Jericho to Jerusalem. And he gets beat up by robbers. They take everything he has. They, they leave him to die. And they say this priest walks right by him. Now, there's, a lot of priests lived in Jericho during that time. And so they would frequent Jerusalem. You know, whenever it was their time to officiate there at the temple, they would go down this path. So this story Jesus tells is a very realistic one, and probably it happened several times. And the idea is, as he passes down this trail, going to the temple, most likely, to officiate, and, uh, and yet he passes right by this guy. Well, he doesn't pass by. It says he passed by on the other side. It's like he saw him, so he goes to the other side of the road and, uh, and just ignores him, walks by. A Levite does the same thing. He walks by on the other side. But then the Samaritan comes and sees him. And it's interesting that Jesus chooses a Samaritan. Because you've got to understand, as an expert of the law, this person was a Jewish person. And the Jews hated the Samaritans. Samaritans hated the Jews. Okay? And Jesus was explaining, it's not about race. It's not about nationality. It's just about who was doing what was right here. And the Samaritan takes care of him. But you notice, too, at the end, when Jesus says, hey, who was the good neighbor? The, the religious leader doesn't say the Samaritan. What does he say? He goes, the one that had mercy on him. Uh, the third guy. Because you know? he didn't want to say the Samaritan. And, you know, and that's what Jesus does. He just points out, look, it's not about your race. Okay, here, who was the good neighbor? The Samaritan stopped. But it's interesting because the priest ignored him and actually walked on the other side of the road. We do this. Um, it's hard to pass someone by and stare at them. And so we just pretend we don't see them, right? And we just go out. Why? Because we, let's face it, most of us in this room, we live pretty busy lives. I mean, there weren't very many of us who didn't have a busy week this week. This is Southern California. We're busy. And we, we hate to be interrupted, Right? You've got a certain amount of things to do, and you don't want that interrupted. You don't want a, a break in your plans. We don't even like to be interrupted for a second. You know, like when you're on the freeway, and you're in the right lane, and someone is trying to merge in, and you, they've got their blinker on. What do you, we pretend, well, you guys do. You pretend, you pretend you don't see them, right? You see the blinker, someone's trying to cut in your lane, you're just kind of looking around, you look straight. I see you, you know, let me in, okay? No, I, I've done it too. Where you just, you, you just, I'm in a hurry. And, and man, that half second might affect my day. Man, if I did this, you know, all the whole way on, my, on the freeway, I, I could lose six seconds, you know? And so we don't want to be interrupted. We'd rather just ignore it because we got to get to what we got to get to. We, we do this in life. I mean, we don't want to be interrupted, interrupted by other people's needs. I remember, you know, when they used to show all those... Um, starving kids in Africa on the television when they first started doing that. Man, you couldn't sit and stare at those commercials. Why? Because then your heart would get too burdened, so you flip the channel. 
Why? Because I don't want to stare at it. If I have to stare at him, pretty soon I'll get convicted and pretty soon I'll start giving my time, my energy to these people. And so this priest and Levite, I got a plan. I'll just look the other way. I'll pass on the other side of the road so that I can get to my temple, so I can get to officiate the service. And um, what does the Samaritan do, though? He stops. He lets his life be interrupted. I mean, do you, do you understand what he did? He not only stops and says, oh, are you okay? Can I call someone for you? No, he stops. He bandages him. Then he puts him on his own donkey and takes him to a hotel. He stays with them the whole night caring for him at this hotel. And then in the morning, seeing that he's all right, gives some money to the innkeeper and says, here, here's some more money. Would you make sure this guy gets back on his feet? And I'll come back later. If you needed to spend more than these two silver coins, which is a lot of money, I'll come back and give you more money. You guys think about that. When does that ever happen? I mean, you interrupted your whole, you took a whole day for this person? He was probably on his way somewhere. He's traveling along this road, but he stops for a day, gives him all this time, all this money, and says, I'll come back and give you more money if this guy needs it. What was the Samaritan doing? He was loving, loving, he was loving his neighbor as himself. He's thinking, okay, if that were me, if I'm laying on the side of a road, and I'm beat up, you know, and, and, you know, I don't have anything left. In a perfect world, here I am, left to die. In a perfect world, what would I want a person to do for me? Well, in a perfect world, I'd want them to bandage me up and carry me, you know, to a nice hotel and then pay for everything. Okay, then that's what I'll do. You understand that? That's huge. What more could this guy have done? See, that's what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, when I used to read this, I used to think, well, that's pretty evil. I mean, let's say, I mean, we don't, it doesn't say in the story the priest was actually going to the temple or whatever, but let's say they were. I mean, it just made him look even worse. A priest had no time to help because he, he, he had to get to the church or he had to get to the temple. I got to go serve God. I don't have time to love people. And, and, and it's so easy to just judge those people and go, ooh, but, oh, gosh, they didn't take time. Well, today... On your way to church, we planted a few people okay, on the roads. No matter what direction you came from, we put some people on the road. Okay, I want to show you some pictures. Maybe you recognize them. Okay, she was in the parking lot. Okay, you see her on the street coming out with her friend? Okay, yeah, I remember her. Remember that guy broken down over there by the... Okay, now some of you, you're going, oh, I didn't see any of them. Probably, maybe not. Maybe because you're so focused on getting here. And sometimes we do. We pass by people because we get focused. But sometimes we see people and we go, ooh, but I'm late. I want you to think, what was your response when you saw those people in those different places? Or if you probably only saw one of them. But did you take the time to stop? We asked the one girl up there on the corner, you know, with all the church cars passing by, how many people stopped? And she said two. But neither of them were from the church. <laughs> Not really. Wow. You know, and, and yes, there were a couple of people from the church that stopped. And last service we had one person stop. You know, last night we had five people stop. But most of us, we were so focused on getting here, getting our kids in Sunday school, whatever it is, getting a seat, that 
you know, we just didn't see or we weren't looking for it or we thought, well, like it's, maybe that person needs something, but let me just move on. I got to tell you, though, the first service at the North Campus, you know, over by the Boys and Girls Club, we, we put a homeless person in the park. And uh, this girl who didn't even go to our church, you know, we asked her just to play this role. And uh, she said about 25 to 30 people stopped her and asked and invited her into the church, asked if, you know, that she needed any food, if they could help her in any way. She started to cry. Here's this girl that didn't go to her church. She goes, just, I've never been to this church. But those people were so loving. I mean, as they started talking to me, you know, after about the 10th person, I just started crying. I've never seen anything like this. She goes, people invited me into service. She goes, a few people even went into the service after inviting me. Then they came back out and sat down and said, are you sure you don't want to come in with us? And she was so overwhelmed. And, uh, and two guys asked her out. No, I'm kidding. No, but... Uh, <laughs> But I, I was so blown away. I mean, it was, it was the most awesome thing. You know, here's this girl who's never even been to our church, and she's playing this role for us, and she's crying in the middle of it because she was so overwhelmed with love. And, um, and so if you're a visitor and you don't feel welcome, go to the North Campus. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but but uh, it, it was. And, and you know what? The thing is, is there's something, you know, maybe about, you know, that smaller service. Because there's only, you know, 150, 200 people to a service there right now. And yet, to have like 30 of them stop, you know, sometimes when things get big, you know, like this, this campus has, we can tend to rush and pass by all these people and figure someone else will take care of them. But I just want to ask you, you know, typically are you a type of person that you see someone in need and, or you even look for people in need um, and, and try to help them? You see, let me say this too. I, I had a gal come up to me, um, this is a while back, and I gave a message on the love of God, you know, just a message that was just a good, feel-good message, and, and she came up to me afterwards, she goes, wow, that was so cool. She goes, this is the first time I've left church and didn't feel guilty. And uh, she goes, you just hammer us week after week. And I go, I know, but I, I'm just telling you what it says. And, uh, but, but here's the thing, the reason why I bring that up is, here's another one where you just, you leave and you could go, oh man, I don't love people, you know, and you just go, I'm guilty of that too, and I wasn't joyful this week, and you know, you just heap on more guilt, you know, to add on to last week's message. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because that is not the point of the command. Okay, look at verse uh, 28. Okay, Luke 10, 28. I want you to pay attention to something Jesus says here. After the man says, okay, what, what does the law say? Love the Lord your God, your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbors, yourself. Jesus says, you answered correctly, but then he says this. Do this, and you'll live. Do this, and you will live. And he's talking about eternal life in that context. But I want you to understand where this phrase, do this, and you will live, comes from. It comes from the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, you have it in Leviticus uh, chapter 18, when he was talking about the sexual immorality. And he says, no, if you obey my laws, you'll really live. He says it in Nehemiah chapter 9, and he says it in Ezekiel. If you have your Bible, turn to Ezekiel chapter 20. In Ezekiel chapter 20, he's, he's talking about the people of Israel, and he's talking about his laws. 
And this is where, in fact, in Ezekiel 20, he uses the phrase three different times. In verse 11, 13, and then uh, 21. But look at Ezekiel 20, verse 11. What God says here is this. He says, I gave them my decrees and made known to them my laws. For the man who obeys them will live by them. Also, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between us, so that they would know that I, the Lord, made them holy. Yet, the people of Israel rebelled against me in the desert. They did not follow my decrees, but rejected my my laws. Although, the man who obeys them will live by them. See what God's saying here? He says, I gave them these commands. I gave them these good commands, these decrees. And if they would have obeyed them, they would have lived. They would have lived. I would have blessed them. That's the way I created these. Why I created these commands is to give them life. But they rejected these laws, even though the man who obeys them would live by them. God's saying they rejected the very commands that would have brought them life. They rejected them. You understand, that's what the commands are intended to do, are to bring us life. Man, read Psalm 119 sometime. It's about the law of God and how it, it revives us. It brings us life. The commands are not so that we're like, oh man, I, I disobeyed another one. I'm so guilty. Some of you, let's face it, some of you here today are not content There's more stuff you want. And there's part of you that thinks, you know what, if I only made a little bit more, then I'd be happy. Or if I only had this, or once this is done, once I have this, then I'll be content. And the truth is, is maybe if you gave more, you'd be content. Because Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. See, this whole command of loving your neighbor as yourself, I think what you find, because I don't want you to leave here going, ooh, great, i got to love my neighbor. No, what Jesus is saying, you do this and you'll live. You start loving people like yourself, you'd be amazed at how much life it brings you when you sacrifice what you have for someone else. You'd be amazed how much life would be in you if you actually hung out with people who had less and cared for them. How much, who do you think was built up the next day? The Levite, the priest, or the Samaritan? Who do you think had the most life the next day? Man, you see, it's, it's about a life that we get when we give, when we obey God's commands. You love your neighbor yourself, you do that, and you will live. I hear people say, when I get depressed, I go and buy something. <laughs> Try something else. When you get depressed, give something away. Just, just try it. See if it's more blessed to give than to receive. Just see if possibly Jesus is right and contentment is not about how much you have but how much you give. These commands are not given to destroy us. When we love our neighbor as ourselves, it's only going to build us up. Do this and you will live. Not do this and you'll be miserable. I hear people say, well, I don't want to be a Christian. I've got to obey those commands. These commands aren't going to make you miserable. 
You obey them and they'll bring you life. How many people have you met who really are, get life out of, of disobeying Scripture? Sure, there's a season of pleasure. But life comes through obedience in this book. You ever met someone who really tries to love their neighbor as themselves? I tell you, when you meet people like that, you see those are the people that are filled with life. See, don't leave here feeling guilty. Just like last week. If you don't want to dwell on the fact that your name is written in the book of life, don't. Just be mad. (laughs) Go ahead. It's not forcing you to do that. You don't have to do that to get eternal life. Go ahead. Stay mad. Stay angry. And, and, and just like this, love your neighbor as yourself. You don't have to do that. You know what? Just, just be selfish. Hoard everything for yourself. Don't worry about others. Just focus on your own problems, your own issues. Be selfish. You can do that. I'm just telling you, you're never going to find life. These commands are written, and they are so good. And those of us who seek to follow them, we know that. We know those times in our lives when we're living according to the commands of God, and we're walking that way. Man, we're just full of life. And then those times when we think, well, maybe he's wrong on this one, and I could get more pleasure by leaving my family, more pleasure by you know, cheating on my wife, maybe cheating on this, and there's that. Whatever. We realize, man, it brings death. That's what sin brings. I mean, that's all throughout Scripture. You follow this, it's going to lead you to death, it's going to lead you to destruction. You follow my law, it's going to bring you life here and afterwards. And I hope you're focused on that. I hope you believe that. If there's any issues in your life where you just feel like, man, I haven't been obedient, we're not going to force you to do it. I'm just telling you, you're not going to find life until you do. You know, even like baptism. You know, we don't say, oh, you better get baptized or you're going to go to hell. You know? You don't have to obey, but I tell you, I have yet to meet someone who got baptized and was like, oh, I wish I didn't do that. Sin obey, but it's life. That's what God's commands brings. I, I hope you find that. I hope you realize that. Worship team's going to come up and worship, you know, and during this, this last song, if any of you want to get baptized today, come on up here. Pastor Doug and some of the others will be up here. If you need prayer, maybe there's some things in your life where you go, you know what, I need to give this up, and I need some prayer, I need some help with that. Then come up, and someone will pray with you, and let's, let's get on track, and let's live the way God called us to. So we can really be out there caring for others and being the light that God intended for us. See, as we go out as a church, and I thought about that one girl, the fake homeless girl at the other church. I thought, man, what if we did that everywhere in the city? You know, whoever was in need, all these cornerstone people would just help them out and then invite them to church. You know, what a testimony that would be. But it's not just for them. It's for us, too. Because that's what would bring us most life.